1972, a crack commando unit was sent to a liturgical prison by a canonical court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security diocesan stockade to the ecclesial underground. Today, still wanted by the Vatican, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, then you should listen to Libra Cristo War College. I laugh. Well, every that, that that intro does it never ceases to make me laugh. Those guys were so clever. Anyway, yeah, they sure were. Hey, right, Jess, welcome to War College. That's right. Amen. Welcome to Wednesday War College. Jess Romero, Doctor Dan Schneider. Hey, get Doctor Dan's book. It's 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 the hottest selling book right now in Tan. It's called The Libra Crystal Method: A Field Manual for Spiritual Combat. Hottest selling book right now in Tan. Here's the way it looks right here. Liber Cristo, a field manual for spiritual combat. Dan, we want to talk today about things uh, that are very important, i.e. custody of the mind, custody of the mind. And I want to start off, there's a short little article written by Michael O'Brien where he talks about this, and I think it'll, it'll be uh, good to segue into uh, uh, page 34 of your book uh, where you can do a deep dive on this. But let me, let me just share with you what Michael O'Brien says. He says, uh, uh, one of Mr. O'Brien's books, A Landscape with Dragons, The Battle for Your Child's Mind, has prompted me to approach our inventory of children's stories with a more critical eye. Landscape is a study on the shaping of a child's imagination. More than that, it is an exploration of how stories and their, and their use of images and universal symbols shape a child's spiritual sensitivity and moral compass. He says, next paragraph, he says, uh, he uses the example of dragons to explain how modern culture has taken what, what used to be an unquestionable symbol of evil and has slowly turned it into a creature that is pitiable a misunderstood victim of sorts. Drawing from Anglo-Saxon legends and traditional myths, Mr. O'Brien writes that the well-nourished imagination knows that dragons are not frightening because of fang scales and smoking and smoke pouring from their nostrils. The imagination fed on the truth knows that the serpent is a symbol of hatred and deceit, of evil knowledge and power without conscience. But he notes that many popular books and movies for young adults subtly twist and undermine this symbol. That's why we, we, I want to be talking to Dan about that. The next paragraph, he says, Landscape was published in 1988, just two years after the movie Dragonheart was released. The book series Aragon, along with other imitations, followed in the, year, in the early 2000s proving the cultural trend while many parents praise such stories for exemplifying valor and compassion or simply getting kids to read mr o'brien remains cautious and critical about the misuse of this important symbol rather than encouraging sympathy for serpentine characters he claims that it is good that our children fear dragons for in fearing they can learn to overcome fear with courage dragons can be cannot be tamed 
and it is fatal to entertain into dialogue with them. The old stories have taught us this. Many new stories, however, are teaching children that all the old antagonists, including witches and vampires, are the true heroes. Two more sentences, and I'll turn it over to you, Dan. I'll just He goes on the next paragraph. He says, um, This child's imagination is not an isolated part of his brain that operates when only consuming fiction. It forms his perception of the universe, and we have to share that universe with him. And then one last sentence at the the very last paragraph, it says, The absolute essential task of parents is to give their children a true culture, a sure foundation on which to stand. So, Dan, I want to get your take on the whole uh, <clears throat> the whole custody of the imagination, because uh, being Paul, part of an exorcism team, you see this all the time, where where uh, the 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 people that are coming to the church, the afflicted, they are they they're complaining about again this uh, you know the the constant running narrative in the mind, the constant bad and impure thoughts, the constant voices being projected kill yourself, you're stupid, you're an idiot, kill your wife, kill your children. Dan, you wrote a little bit in your book about this area, the custody of the, the, the intellect. Can you, uh, can you unpeel this for the audience? Yeah, before we get to that, I'd like to just make a comment on what he says. Because um, these are two, they, just, they describe themselves as two English majors who married each other, okay? So these people understand um, literary criticism, and they understand the the meaning the the assumptions behind this the assertions how we move from story into discourse where meaning is found from the 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 what to the how this is the way writers have always done it history is a is a relating an ancient the ancient understanding of history is relating the things of the past so that we would remember to remember the mighty deeds and not forget these deeds and now we tell the story in literature to help to come to a higher meaning. And so everything takes on symbolic meaning. Um, you know, think of um, the, the uh, Moby Dick, call me Ahab. You know, he sets out with character, place, and time, and he's telling something that has meaning way, way beyond what the words literally say. So we move from, from, from the literal meaning of the plain sense into a more symbolic meaning. We know this is when we read scripture. You, you read scripture and you see symbolism like, the 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 uh, the Canaanite or the Syrophoenician woman in in Mark chapter seven, um, Jesus calls her a dog. She's you know it, it seemingly unpastoral. All these words in Scripture are packed with symbolic meaning, and so if we know this reading Scripture, how much more run children's fictions in their impressionable minds that these that these adult authors are writing books for children and they they. Uh, um, our, our hoping used to be when there was virtue and a respect for the mind of children and the and the and the the, for, the formative years that they're in, an author would write with with a higher purpose. And now we're seeing, like for example, in Scripture, we we see two levels of meaning. For example, in the Gospels, Jesus says, "I am you are from below, I am from above," and that that insertion of faith. Um, and, and particularly in the resurrected Christ brings us from below the standard meeting Jesus encounters a Syrophoenician woman to from above a higher meeting. In the dark literature of today, Harry Potter and 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 the, the these other other vampire movie and book series, 
that are geared towards children. Now they're getting even more macabre. Disney's got a, 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 a children's version of Rosemary's Baby where Jesus, I mean, uh, the devil impregnates a, a teenage girl, right? And so we see instead of moving from below to from above to higher meaning, we're moving to meaning, but we're going from above to from below. We're using Christian symbols and now creating a narrative that's glorifying the opposite. Uh, it's glorifying uh, and, and blurring the lines between good and evil. And so I like what she says. Um, children should fear dragons so they can learn to overcome fear with courage. Dragons cannot be tamed. and It is fatal to enter into dialogue with them. The old stories have taught us this. Many news teaching children that the old antagonists, including witches and vampires, are the true heroes. And these are misappropriated symbols. This is exactly at a narrative level um, what, what Harry Potter does. What, what again, what all of these modern fictions do, that's the subtle difference between, for example, Rowling's writing and, and, and um, uh, Tolkien, Tolkien or C.S. Lewis. Because yeah. one is bringing you from, from below to from above, from a literal meaning, which is nonsensical. So the literal meaning is a spiritual meaning to a, a from above a higher level of meaning. And so there has to be, and we're moving to a higher level. And so when, when you look at the children's literature, literature that's out there now, we have to be careful because this subtle inversion, this is why Benedict or then Cardinal Ratzinger talked about the subtle subduction, seduction of Harry Potter. Um, but all we, we have to see not just Harry Potter, we're using that as kind of the entry point. It could be the same video games, uh, role-playing games, um, um, movies, 99.9% .9 of what Disney now puts out for our children. All this stuff, Father Ripperger lovingly calls it garbage. And it isn't that it's not um, artfully done or tastefully, not artfully done. It's just it's it's done like it's spiritual garbage, uh, spiritual junk food at best, a spiritual poison for the soul and a child's imagination. That's the difference. That imagination, Tolkien grasps that imagination and uses the story. Right. In the beginning was the word. There is only one true story of humanity, and that's God becoming man to save fallen man. That's the only story, and the distortions of that in our modern literature of children can be very dangerous. We have to be very careful of that as parents. Dan, uh, you have some people that criticize Father Ripperger for calling the Harry Potter series garbage. He wasn't speaking academically. Father was just speaking, just like what Dan said. I mean, Dad defined it. What Father was basically saying is that it's it was spiritual uh, junk food for young people. That's what he was saying. You're giving your children, hey, you you either give them you either give them healthy foods and a steak and, and, and vegetables, or you let them dumpster dive and fill their stomachs. That's what that's what some of this sure is. Yeah, it's dumpster that, diving. It might that's what he, it might be interesting. That's, it might have some weird flavors you've never had before, but you're feeding them spiritual garbage. Yeah, that's all he was saying. And by the way, Dan, I I found another priest. I just uh, mentioned it. I sent it to you in an email. Father Isaac Relier, who's a Franciscan, he's a traditional Franciscan. He's also got an e a video where he talks about the evils of Harry Potter. So I know I would just, uh, I send you a list of all these priests that, that have made statements against it. You could add Father Isaac Relier to the list. Yeah, he's a good man. He's a good yeah. priest. Listen to Wednesday, you're listening to Wednesday War College. Yes, Romero, Dan Schneider. We're talking about, we're going to be getting more into the custody of the mind uh, based on what you read. On what you what you appropriate into the mind. We'll be right back. Stick around. Don't go anywhere.
Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, Dr. Dan Schneider. Hey, you got to get the book, one of the best-selling books in 10. Probably would be the best-selling book this year by far uh, in the Catholic world, at least with 10 products, maybe with all the other publishers. It's called The Liber Crystal Method. Here it is, a field manual for spiritual combat. Written by Dr. Dan Schneider, who's on here virtually every single Wednesday, and Kyle Clement. It's also a lot of his uh, intellectual property between both of them. Uh, the, the book was put together, and they're here every single Wednesday on this show on Wednesday War College. Dan, a simple way that I could summarize what you take in with your mind, there was a, a prominent Baptist Christian motivational speaker, rest in peace, he's passed away. His name was Zig Ziglar. I don't know if you ever heard of him. But he was yeah, fond I like, of I like Zig Ziglar. He was fantastic. Yeah, he was fond of saying garbage in, garbage out. What we become, what we experience through our senses. He was just a, a kind of a simple Baptist guy that that had these one-liners that were just you just you just don't forget them. You know, he'd say, you know, garbage in, garbage out, giggle. Uh we become what we experience through our senses. Uh that I mean, that's exactly what we're talking about here when we talk about taking custody of our imagination, correct? Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's an old phrase. Actually, I wrote this down in my notes for the next segment, G-I-G-O. When we first started studying computers, if you, you can date yourself. If you remember that you, what your cell phone now is, used to take up you know, two floors of a government laboratory and that's now in your pocket. And so when you learned programming and, and your first resume, you remember we would have to put down you know, what you could work with Fortran or I forget these other programs. Oh, yeah. That's but right. but remember that. Yeah. Uh, uh, and so garbage in garbage out means you put you put, you know, whatever you put into the computer, it comes out. And so Zig would say, you got to put the good stuff in if you want to get the good stuff out. That's how he as a motivational speaker. And so uh, here's what St. Paul. This is my favorite scripture verse. Um, when people ever ask, what's your favorite Bible verse? Here it is. Romans 1, 12, 1 to 2. I urge you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, your spiritual worship. Do not conform yourself to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and pleasing and perfect. So we start to see the mind, the Greek word, the nous, um, uh, uh, so we, that has to be formed. Um, St. Paul uses this word, um, it's used once by St. Luke, and the rest of the time it's used in the New Testament by St. Paul, writing to Gentiles, to, to you know, Romans and the Corinthians, largely in Romans. Understanding the power of the imagination, you know, you have to, to work and guard and safeguard your mind. Um, this is why I have one section. I have 12 lessons in the book, and one of the lessons is on the, the imagination. Well, the faculty of the human person. Before we get to the imagination, we have to learn um, the, 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 the power of who we are as human beings, as hylomorphic, as, as embodied souls, as spiritual creatures in flesh, and, and what this means. And so, and so I've condensed down um, the science of mental health. Uh, Father Ripperger's book into one lesson to shorten, short and sweet, using layman's language to help us understand how this works. But what we have in our imagination, the custody of the imagination, these, this is what um, the Thomas would call pre-intellection or the the, the 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 early intellect, the movements in the in the mind before it gets appropriated and codified more deeply in the intellect. So the imagination. 
uh, it, it comprises of, of memories and those memories are, are associated uh, stop, with them. Stop there, Dan. That, that was good. That you just gave me an intellectual Charlie horse. Okay. So you just said that the mind or the imagination is, is according to Thomas, it's the pre-intellect is that that's what you said, right? Right. Okay. That makes sense. Well, the possible uh, yeah. intellect. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. what goes in here is what forms what goes up here. What goes up here in the intellect is what gives good or bad direction, instruction to the will. And the will, mm. if it's if the will is strengthened and, and well formed, the will will choose what the intellect directs, and the intellect will choose the good. In our fallen human nature, after the fall, even after baptism with concupiscence, we now are driven to 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 the disordered use of those things which used to preserve our. Uh, our, our species. This is why St. Augustine, we talked about concupiscence. And so all this stuff in the, in the early formations in the, in the, in the, the percolation in the imagination or the mind, these things become a influence how we think and how, and your data and what father Ripper calls is the data set. The data set is of the imagination is the, the memory, the experiences you have, you have all these memories and experiences embedded into your data set that that's good and bad. If those are bad, horrible experiences, uh, um, that could be very traumatizing. We know PTSD is a very real thing, uh, among soldiers coming back, you know, from, from, from combat because in their data set, there's a lot of horrible things that they've seen. And experience. Dan, let me also mention something else. Speaking of data set, I've talked to a lot of people throughout the years, uh, and you've probably seen the same thing I have, where they're so they're, they have like a victim mentality. They they're so beat up by everything that's happened to them, by all their past experiences that have been negative, that they see themselves constantly as a victim. And so, uh, what you're saying right now, I you know I've also seen that. And the whole victocrat mentality, you know, this happened because, you know, I was born over here and I was born in this family and I had a horrible father. And again, that uh, all that that's in their imagination, it just keeps them always, uh, you know, looking at themselves as, as professional victims. As, as, as constant victims. And, you, and part of that is. When they keep telling the story, and I get grief from this. I just got grief on a case I'm working with right now. Why can't I keep telling my story? Why can't I keep telling my story? I want to. This happened to me, and then that happened to me, and that happened to me. You know, lady. One lady said, I, "I don't like the question and answer format of this book." I said, "Well, you better get used to it because we're going to do this every single week." You know, um, and we're not going to keep telling your story because number one, when you keep telling your story, I'm going to tell you a story about about uh, our mutual friend Jess, right? And so I'm going to tell this story. And it's a, it's a true story. It's sinful, a sin of a friend of ours that we're both very close with. And I tell that story. It's a true story. It's not gossip, but it's detraction. So even if it's a true story, it's attraction at best. At worst, it's slander because the demon will put a spin. He has access to that data set and the demon can put a spin on the, the, the imagination and the events themselves. So the more, the more you tell the story, the more the story gets changed potentially. And the more the demon can, can continue to live in that, draw you back into that moment and keep you, keep you, 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 you bound in that past event until you're just a broken record around all your friends telling about your, your, your past traumatic events. Dan, let me, let me tell you about, uh, something that, Many Catholics know about, 
and I'm kind of at fault for this. It was, it was my fault. I had met Zachary King a couple of years ago. And this was, this was before I met you, before I reconnected with you. I was with him in San Francisco speaking at a Divine Mercy Conference. I don't know who he was. I just saw on the flyer, it said, uh, it says, you know, Zachary King giving his testimony, former Satanist to the Catholic faith. I was like, wow, this ought to be good. So I gave my talk in a breakout room and I went to go listen to him. Now I say this, we're friends, but, but, but uh, as I listened to him, I, I was like, wow, this is deep. I, I never heard anything like this in the Catholic church. And so I invited him to the Terry and Jesse show and we had him on <clears throat> and, uh, and he's, you know, shared his story and, and, and it's a powerful story, uh, how he came, uh, you know, into the Catholic faith through Satanism. And, uh, well, as a result of that, you know, people heard that show and, and began inviting him to other radio shows as well. Then I reconnected with you in 2019 and met Kyle Clement and reconnected with Father Ripperger. And then with, and after studying with you guys now for you know, about four years now, uh, I, 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 didn't, I realized the danger of repeating the story, just like you mentioned right now. In, in fact, Dan, every psychologist and psychiatrist that I've talked to, they've told me, they've said, Jess, when we get a patient, we have them come in and tell your story one time and that's it. Don't ever say it again. That's it. One and done. Sit on the couch. Tell us your story and don't repeat it again. And I've asked psychologists and psychologists, why is it that you don't want them to repeat it again? They've told me, Jess. When you focus on something positive or negative, you give life and energy to it and it becomes real once again. And so they, they said there is there never you, you can't get emotionally healing or spiritual healing or psychological healing if you're having the patient repeat the story and story again. Having said that, I feel kind of bad now that I, I haven't you know reached out to Zachary King and told him that it's probably not psychologically helpful for him to keep sharing his story that I was once a Satanist and became a Catholic. Uh, and again, you're, you're, you and Kyle and Father Ripperger, you guys are the ones that gave me a deep understanding about not repeating the story. Uh, do you agree with what I said? No, ab absolutely. Because here's how Father defines custody of the mind. He says this, I want to quote him, the virtue by which one does not let anything into the imagination that is sinful. We know as men, any Christian man has been schooled by an older Christian man to learn custody of the eyes, right? We know that phrase as Christian men. I think Christian women need to learn this as well today because pornography use is almost equal now with women and men, sadly. So custody of the mind, not letting anything sinful into the mind is very, very important. You have, you, you only, you have a small data set or a large data set, but, it's, but you've got to keep it pure. And as you say, when you keep telling the story, the memory and the emotions are intercharged. You and I know this as fighters, right? I mean, it, you know, you, you, if, if you hear a command, boom, your hands are up and you're ready. You know what I mean? I would sit on the on the toilet when I was learning when I was in flight school and we would get a, a, a toilet plunger in one hand and, a, and a, 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 a broom handle on the other. And you would just do this over and over and over again. So your body remembered. Right. You turn on. the. How do you put your car into reverse if you know how to drive a stick? You have to use your body to describe these events um, because your body remembers. And so when you keep telling the story, you're recalling in your body as well 
these traumatic events and you're making them present and you're refreshing the data set in your imagination with past hurts. Just like you're taking in your data set and you're re reading garbage literature, even if it's just secular garbage, you're, 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 even if it's just secular non-garbage, be careful what you're putting into your mind because there's access, the demon has access to that. So pushing down and replacing them with good thoughts. This is why Lexio Divina and spiritual reading is very important. Watching holy movies, if you're going to watch movies, watching holy movies is very important and not and not godless movies and horror movies because you're putting into your imagination things that the enemy can now work against you. You know, the average listener isn't going to have any experience of kicking a door in and having a bad guy standing around the corner getting ready to shoot at him like you have. But you have that in your imagination. So you have to displace those memories and purify them with the light of Christ and also dis disappropriate the emotion from the memory. That's a very difficult thing to dis disappropriate the emotion from the memory. Critical, critical aspect of spiritual spiritual life. And uh, this is uh, the Liber Crystal Method is the only method that teaches this in the entire country. We'll be right back. Dr. Dan Schneider, Jess Romero talking about custody of the mind, custody of the imagination. Be back. Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, Dr. Dan Schneider. I just want to mention to all our brothers and sisters in Christ in Visalia, I've got a few people notifying me. Uh, Visalia Catholics, time to activate. Uh, there is a witch's picnic scheduled to occur in, Mooney, in Mooney's Grove on Sunday, October 1st. So that's uh, 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 Sunday. Uh, let me see. Uh, okay. Uh, you guys got some time to, to, to still gather together. October 1st from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. If you go to their site, Google Witches Picnic Visalia. It sounds like just a fun gathering, doing lots of fun things. Sorry, this is a demonic gathering, and Catholics must make every spiritual effort they can to negate the demonic forces that will be on display that day. Uh, so Catholics are going to be reuniting October 1st. There's going to be a park where these witches are going to be having some type of witches picnic. And Catholics plan on going to the park with their uh, their, their uh, holy objects, with the rosaries, and uh, projecting prayers of the Holy Rosary and the Divine Mercy prayers. So uh, as soon as I get more information as to where the, the Visalia Catholics are going to organize and who's going to be the organizer, I'll give you more information so I can give you more details. But good for you, Visalia Catholics. That's what we call it. That's what we call the Church Militant in Action. Dan, let's go back to. I feel kind of bad, Dan. I just want to mention that um, I didn't know until uh, I re kind of reconnected with you in 2019. Just a lot of good people. Like, for example, Father Karapi is a friend of mine. Uh, he used to go around and give his testimony from one place to another. Now, after I understand the depth of the liberal crystal method to heal somebody, uh, to heal the imagination and the mind, it wasn't a good thing for Father Karapi to walk around go around the country giving his testimony and and talk about the dark deep things that he was doing before he was a priest from one parish to another same same thing zachary king other people that i know that that go from one venue to another and they're talking about i was this and i was that and i used to do this and i did it this way and i used to do this mortal sin and they go from one one place to another doing that dan i just found out that that's not good 
I didn't know that. And so my intellect's been purified by reconnecting with you as well. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't share your witness, but it has to be very general, Dan. You have to, you, kind of like St. Paul. I mean, look at St. Paul's witness. You know, he, he says, uh, you know, I was, I was uh, a sinner. I encountered Christ on the road to, the, to Emmaus, and this is who I am now. St. Paul doesn't go into detail like, yeah, I had, you know, I had, I had a part in killing uh, uh, St. Stephen. Uh, I was whacking, you know, Christians over in, in, in this city and that city and arresting them in chains and beating them up with clubs. He, didn't, he doesn't go into any details. He just says that he was a sinner, the chief of sinners. He encountered Christ and who he is now. So, Dan, am I, am I on to something? I mean, again, uh, I think a lot of Catholics, none of us really realize how dangerous it is when, when you have a good Catholic who in, means well and you got him going from one parish to another, telling them deep, dark secrets of the past. And, and, and people in the audience, they want to hear that. It's, they they want to hear more of the phenomena, uh, but it's not good for the soul who's saying that. Am I on to something, Dan? Yeah, I think I, I think so. I mean, I think it, we need to give, uh, um, you know, a testimony. But that word testimony, the Greek word is martyroi, right? Our ultimate testimony is is the way we live our lives, and, and, and it could be a white, our, probably not not a bloody martyrdom, but a white martyrdom. And focusing again on Christ, this is why we always say this is what Kyle uh, has coined that the demon is tertiary in Catholic liberation. Can't talk too much about the demon and glorify the demon or glorify sin. So. Uh, going back to the original segment, I want to just put an, an image out there on on um, uh, for for custody of the imagination, particularly with the young. Um, there was a um, um, this might even have been Zig Ziglar. Uh, you mentioned him earlier. This might have been from Zig. Um, he talks about how bank tellers are are uh, how they how they learn how to tell counterfeit bills, um, and, and they still need the human principle. Because some of those counterfeit bills can even fool technology, but the human touch, the human feel, the human instinct is very good. So they, when they train bank tellers how to discern a good bill from a bad bill, they never let the trainee, they never let their virginal fingers touch a bad bill. And after they've completed their training, they'll start wor- working in a bad bill, and so that, so it'll immediately smell it out. And this is this is what I think. Uh, parents, uh, uh, when you're when you're teaching your children, keep this image in mind. It's not that you're repressing and and they're not going to eventually have to deal with this. Because I've heard this. Oh man, why do you you should just let your kids watch, you know these these horror movies because they're going to see it anyway someday. The idea is when they're age appropriate and you've and you've perfected their dis or at least worked on their discernment, they can tell clean from unclean, the good from the phony, and and then quickly reject it. So, so that's that's part of it, and also Jess, it's 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 the part of the custody of the, of the mind is the disappropriation. I talk about this in the book: how to dip, disappropriate the memory from the emotion, and how do we do that? It, it's a willful act. It's a willful act, uh, um, and the way I encourage people is to find somewhere on the sacred triduum that they can apply their suffering wherever they're wherever they're at. You know, a lady was upset recently when I was. 15 years old or 12 years old, a priest yelled at me in the confessional and I, and you know, and I, it really messed me up. And, and, you know, and I said, well, you were yelled at and that's the emotional event for you. And you still remember it 50 years later. So, so what are you going to do with that? Right. What are you going to do with that somewhere? So you're telling me a religious leader yelled at you 
and embarrassed you in front of other people? Is there any time in the tribunal of Jesus Christ that the religious leaders yelled at him, ridiculed him, told him to get his crap together, threatened him, uh, shamed him? So finding that emotion and, and linking it to the, the tritum is very important for the disappropriation. And part of that is, is um, what modern psychologists, one modern psychologist coined a phrase called, if you can name it, you can tame it. Grasp that emotion because the disordered emotion attracts the demon. The disordered emotion attracts the demon. High emotionality attracts the demon. Being able to name it and tame it. That's not just psychological. We can tame it. If we can name it, where do we take it? We take that sucker. We find the we find the defect that's pushing that emotion, whatever it is. You take it right to the confession box and you tame it through sacramental grace. And then you tame it by developing virtue through penance, by making a satisfaction for the sins associated with that. This is the Catholic response to traumatic events that will eliminate the demon, at least mitigate what the demon can do in his work against you. Dan, and this is this is everything in liberation. I mean, uh, once once you take custody of the imagination, custody of the mind. Uh, yeah. Because once once again, you know, as we as you well know that demons they traffic in the senses, and uh, and and they they especially in in oppression or obsession, they're now starting to uh, you know do this uh, running constant narrative you know in the person's mind and so if the person doesn't gain a little bit pursue self-mastery by the practice of of of, you know discipline and meditative prayer uh this uh this ends up driving a lot of people to suicide this this uh unfettered uh you know trafficking of the senses from the diabolic this drives people to incredible depression. They they lay in a fetal position in their bedroom. They can't get out. They can't even get it. They can't even find a job, or they can't even work. They can't hold relationships. I mean, so this 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 entire, uh, you know, this uh, this uh, trafficking in the senses. This is serious. It, it beats down a person into nothing. It, 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 they become again just basically, uh, you know, rolled up in a fetal position in the corner of the room. Right. And so the, 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 what's happening in this, in the pre-intellection and this imagination in the early stages of forming thoughts um, and the mind and the memory and this area, um, unless you have custody, what you have, this is, is an emotional uh, um, intellectual soup and you can't discern right from wrong, clean from unclean. What the demon will seek to do is to habituate us through our actions. He'll, he'll try to habituate us by, by putting little psychological triggers, laying bait before us to try to try to try to habituate our responses to life's events. If you were uh, uh, molested by uh, a guy with black hair and, um, you know, uh, um, a handlebar mustache who wore a green hat and drove a Chevy truck, um, all the demons got to do is put some combination that together in your day to trigger you and pull you back down into shame. This is what he tries to do. Um, uh, one psychologist tells a story of how they, they, they train a certain fish in a fishbowl. And what they'll do is they'll, they'll, they'll um, pike, I think. They'll put the pike inside of a, of a bowl, a tank, and they'll put the food in there. And then they'll, they'll, the fish will all go to that one side of the tank and go back. 
And then, then they'll put a glass connector between the two sides, dividing the two sides. And the fish will swim around. They'll hit their nose on that middle glass piece. They don't see it. They go back. After a few times of striking their nose, the researcher pulls out that center piece of glass and the fish will stay on their sides and never approach the center again. That's habituation. We also can become habituated just like what's that pike phenomenon it's called. We can be habituated in our responses. So the purification of the imagination begins with G-I-G-O. Garbage in, garbage out needs to become good stuff in, good stuff out. And this is very important. It's very practical uh, advice that lays the foundation for, for spiritual life. And how do we do that, Jess? Prayer meditation, a daily discipline life of prayer. For people that come to us, they have no prayer life. They're a disaster interiorly, so it's going to be set times of, of certain prayers that you're going to pray, vocal prayer. And once the foundation of discipline time, vocal prayer is set, then we can start introducing the rosary, meditation, Lexio Divina, and then we can start using that imagination in a powerful way of prayer. Just like the Carmelites do, you know, how you can they begin to use their imagination and link it. You know, this is the way contemplatives pray. And, and we but we, it begins with a very set time, disciplined prayer life. Good stuff. You're listening to Wednesday War College. Just remember, Dr. Dan Schneider. Dan, when we come back, I want to take you to page 257 of your book, The Faculties of the Human Person. And I want you to break this down for us from intellect to instinct and how it is, where it is that the demon has access and where the demon does not have access. Page 257 of your book. We'll be right back. Wednesday War Call. Stick around. Wednesday War College, we're back. Jess Romero, Dr. Dan Schneider, St. Joan of Arc, rest in peace. Uh, pray for us. She died in 1431 AD. She says, all battles are first won or lost in the mind. Mm. Dan, on page 257, uh, if you can give us a, 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 a catechesis on this. It's on, on your book, it's called Faculties of the Human Person. You've got a chart there. And it talks about, uh, it says, Proper flesh is servant to soul. Improper soul is hostage of flesh. Then you got in the very top, intellect. Next, will in descending order. Next, memory. Next, emotion. Next, appetite. Next, instinct. Then you have uh, the higher faculties you say are Catholic. The lower faculties are pagan. Can you give us a good catechesis on this and tell us where it is that the demons have access to and where the demons do not have access to. Yeah, it's not that this that the higher faculty, the Catholic versus pagan shows the faculties are the same. You and I share this with the pagan. The difference is that the pagan inverts these. If you think of the um, the the um, the motto of of modern Satanism, "Do what thou wilt," right? Ah. So whatever you will, which means whatever feels good, your instinct, you be you, you're in, you know, whatever your instinct. So the, the, the pagan lives off instincts and appetites, which are the lower faculties. The higher okay. factors are the intellect, uh, where truth and rea reality, um, should overlap, you know, that, 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 that should be seated there. Um, 
the 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 will uh, and the intellect are the higher faculties. The lower faculties are the appetites and the instincts. Now, I, I, I have a footnote here kind of for the Thomists that are going to read the book to explain this is what Thomism language, but I put it into sim- simpler language and the intermediate or transitional faculties. Now, this this these things, this is part of the genius of Father Ripperger and, and Kyle's contribution is this understanding of the human, human person and then applying it. And so the middle faculties, the lower faculties, we we share with with the the, um, the animal world, right? Instinct, desires, appetites, and instincts to preserve the body. The instincts of of, of food, you know, um, food, sleep, sex, the preservation of the body. Saint Augustine says, because of concupiscence, we have a disordered relationship with these things, and so we have to continue to militate against that. This is why. We do Lenten fasting, meatless Fridays, Ember Days. For those of you who remember those and go to the Latin uh, Latin Mass communities, Ember Days, Rogation Days, small reminders to mortify small little things. Um, and then the higher faculties, the intellect and the will, the middle or transitional faculties. This is where the interior, um, this, is, this is the part of the human person that mediates the external to the internal worlds. And this is where the battle takes place. This right here is where the battle takes place in the memories, in the emotions, your recollection of the event and your reaction of the event. C.S. Lewis, I quote C.S. Lewis on the next page. He says it more simply, the head rules the belly through the chest. The head being the intellect, the belly being the lower faculties of the the you know the, the appetites and instincts through the chest, through the will. The will makes a directive act to control those lower faculties. But in the, the intermediate faculties, the transitional between the lower and the higher faculties, the memory and the emotion, this is where the battle takes place because and this is where the demon has access to. Got it. Wow, right right there, the transitional faculties, that's where every single human being uh, is doing spiritual warfare against the diabolic right there, correct? Right, because we know, you know, maybe we'll do a follow-up show on angels and how angels communicate and the role of angels and how demons as fallen angels communicate. And it's going to be through projection. I love your analogy that you discovered from nature that, that uh, dolphins, how they communicate through projection. So the demon's going to use what's in our imagination. It's going to distort the images there. He's going to put a spin on that through our own human experience, and he's going to project that into the imagination. It's going to start distorting our view of each other. We see this in the home and marriages. You know, at the beginning of your marriage, you have this very, you know, you're, you have nothing but pure, um, imagine in your imagination, pure thoughts and good and clean thoughts towards your wife, nothing negative. And over time with experience and, and negative experiences, you now start to have distorted images of your wife. And over time, you start to see her or she sees him as a horrible person. And, and they, they're probably perfectly a good, holy person. But in your mind, the demon has manipulated that. This is why the first prescription is to pray for your spouse. Pray for your children. Just to stop the demon's abilities to start manipulating the images that are embedded into that part of your imagination. You break it down through prayer and purify those memories uh, um, through 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 thanksgiving, through through being thankful even for your suffering. Saint Paul says, Colossians one twenty four, I rejoice in my suffering. For in my body I make up what's lacking in the suffering of Christ's body, the church. So linking your suffering to the suffering of Christ helps to purify the memory and and um, rightly order the emotions 
So that suffering now the, can now be, the emotion now can be now turned into a moment of grace through redemptive suffering, through a volitional act of, of a willful act of suffering for another person. Dancel, let me ask you a question. If a human person, if his intellect and his will are not strong and well-formed and not directed towards, you know, uh, the things of Christ and the demon uh, who's able to, who has access to the memory and the emotions, if the person, again, does, has a poorly formed moral conscience, does not have a life of prayer or a sacramental, sacramental life, if the demon uh, is able to manip- manipulate the person's memory and emotions, that basically means that the person will end up following his appetites and his instincts, correct? Yeah, it leads them to make decisions from the lower faculties. Right, and they start making decisions based on appetites and instincts. And when once you start cogit- start begin cogitation from the lower self, as you interact with the the external world, the demon now begins to manipulate and habituate your responses to life's events. Got it. Uh, you're listening to Jesus Night. I guess Wednesday War College, not Jesus Night One One. That's tomorrow on Friday. Doctor Dan Schneider, uh, Jess Romero. We're we're. Uh, I'm asking him questions from his book. It's called The Liber Crystal Method, a field manual for spiritual combat. Here it is. It's uh it's a ten bestseller. Dan, where can they get the book at right now? You told me that tan's out. Yeah, tan tan sold out, but I I just found out that Amazon. Um, has has some a few copies left, so we can. They still have. Uh, you can go to Amazon and get them. Get them on Amazon until Tan replenishes their uh, their stock. When when are they supposed to replenish? Just give us a date. At the end of September, in one month. But there, okay. apparently, there's enough on Amazon to hold us over. Ironically, I don't know how that works, but Amazon was sold out for weeks. Suddenly, Tan sells out, and Amazon's the only one that has any books. So I don't know if it's part of the business model, but but uh, t- Amazon has the book. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Dan, so. Demons also traffic in the senses, but you're talking about the senses of the memory and the emotion, right? That's that's what we're referring to, correct? Well, no, the demon tracks it in the bodily senses, and so he can use the bodily senses. Um, if the emotions and the memories are not purified, he can manipulate through the bodily senses. So ah, so I so so even so, some demons are, are are more sensitive to to smell, to touch, to holy water, to to aroma of incense. Um, to the imposition of hands more than others, um, to the sound of bells, uh, consecrated bells. But the demon works in the senses he holds in the body, but he uses our own external reality and, and can manipulate. If we don't purify the memory and the emotions, he can manipulate that in the, in the imagination through the body. So if, if, if the guy that molested you uh, was wearing, uh, um, you know, whatever fragrance of cologne, Whenever you smell that cologne, it brings back through the body mm-hmm. into the interior faculties in the memory. And in that memory, you through the smelling of that scent, you can now recall the event. And if you've not purified that, the emotion associated with that event, shame, anger, whatever, rises up. That's how the battle takes place. Got it. Oh, that makes complete sense. Yeah. You yes. hear a bulb, Jesse. You hear it. You ding. Something inside of you kicks. My hands goes up. My arms. Chapel. My hands go up. <laughs> Your hands go up. I was at the Adoration Chapel, and 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 uh, and I hear the the sirens of an air raid, and I was like, uh oh, because we were always slightly back, right, right out of artillery range. You had to come with an air raid to get to our aircraft, 
so so I hear that I hear the sirens and I start like thinking like is that an air raid siren going off? And I was back in Iraq, you know, and then I listened and it was a, the church lady backing me in the church, you know, but in that memory through the auditory sense, the memory rises up. It's a purified memory for me. So it was no big deal. But if I have PTSD from my combat experience, I could be drawn into an emotional state at that, right? If you had a traumatic experience from the hearing the bell of the ring, getting knocked out or killing someone in the ring, you know, you might have a traumatic memory associated with that sound and boom, you're right back there. That's why the, this middle faculty has to be purified. Dan, uh, tell people where to get your book. Uh, yeah, tanbooks.com, the Libra Cristo Method, uh, uh, a manual for spiritual combat. Uh, Amazon, you can get it on as well. Uh, just look up Amazon Libra Cristo, Dan Schneider. And uh, uh, we appreciate the support and hope it, it helps a lot of people uh, gain interior freedom and learn how to do battle in the, in the spiritual combat. Dan, and we're going to be together, I think, at the end of the month at a spiritual warfare conference in Texas, I believe, correct? Yeah, uh, November or September 30th, 31st, Feast of the, of the Archangels. We're going to be in Austin, Texas for the Fullness of Truth Conference. You, you me, Father Ripperger, and Kyle. I'm going to be next weekend, the 8th of September, 8th and 9th of September. I'm going to be at uh, our Most Sorrowful Mother Parish in Plowsville. I think I pronounced that correctly, Louisiana. My French is not good. So I'll be in Louisiana um, um, next weekend, and then we'll be together in, in a month in uh, uh, the, the city of Austin uh, to bring the fullness of truth and spiritual warfare with Father Ripperger and you and me and Kyle. It should be good. It should be exciting. I'm getting a lot of, I'm getting a lot of buzz already uh, for that conference. I think it's going to be a good conference. Excellent. Well, you've been listening to Wednesday War College. Every single Wednesday, I've got the two most well the, the, the two most knowledgeable lay Catholics on planet Earth when it comes to spiritual warfare. I have Kyle Clement and Dr. Dan Schneider. Both of the, these guys are on Father Chad Ripperger's exorcism team. And uh, they're here every single Wednesday. So if you want to hear high-level Catholic spiritual warfare, tune in every single Wednesday at War College. And, uh, and you're going to hear things that you'll probably never hear anywhere else. Because this is, a, again, these guys are doing a deep dive. And they're bringing all their... Uh, their intellectual property, all their vast experience in spiritual warfare, and they're teaching us what Dan always says, uh, how to do safe snake handling. <laughs> Dan, we'll see you next week, my friend. You have a great weekend. Thanks a you lot for coming guess. in. Always uh, a pleasure. Yep. And uh, God bless you, uh, brothers and sisters of Christ, for tuning in. If you like what you hear, share the show with other people in your network. Get the link and send it to other people uh, on, on your social media. The, it's, it's at VMPR Radio or go to our YouTube channel, Full Sheen Ahead. Share this show with your friends and evangelize everybody you love. Up next, Barry Machuda, Hands-On Apologetics. We'll see you next time. Same Christ time, same Christ channel. God bless you. Keep the faith.